Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thanks so much for tuning into the show that celebrates creating and stories. We're here on Division Street in downtown Northfield in the KYMN studios with the light snow happening. Wow, it is really turning to late fall very quickly, and it's it's the time, I, of course, we all start thinking about the holidays. Well, one of the things when I was a writing teacher that I would often ask my students to do during a holiday break was to pay attention to the conversations around big family meals. This is where the writer learns about how people talk to each other, share stories, establish relationships, and reveal character. Attentive listening and observation really does reveal a great deal about not only our stories, but our families. You may not think that a lot can be revealed during a family meal, but I say you would be wrong. It's a place where life happens and relationships are magnified. The holiday dining room table is often the start of a great story that gets carried on through generations. Things happen during those moments that become uh, legends. And so I hope you're looking forward to sharing the table with family and friends this holiday season. It might be the first almost normal. Will it ever be normal? I don't know. Family gatherings don't seem to to fall into that place. But it might be feel a little bit more like it used to this year. And imagine what's been saved up that we've missed during those, those last couple years. So there might be some drama. And I do love family drama, but not the kind that happens in real life, the kind that happens in a fictional world. And that is what we're going to talk about today. I'm very excited. Today in the Art Zany Radio Studio, we are going to talk about the fabulous play, The Humans. I I haven't even seen it, but I already know that it's fabulous. Produced by the Paradise Community Theater at the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. And I'm going to turn on the mics because we have a crowd in the studio joining me today. Director Rachel Heider. Welcome, Rachel. Good morning, Paula. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And Bryn Artley, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. And then Taylor Wessel. Westland. Westland. Okay, I'm sorry. I should have asked you no, ahead of time. No, that's totally okay. It's a quirky name. It is. Um, this is your first visit to the studio, so welcome. It is. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about your world and your uh, drama connections and your uh, life in in the theater. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, my name is Taylor Westland. I'm originally from Yankton, South Dakota. I actually uh, just graduated from St. Olaf College, and my boyfriend and I relocated here 
here during COVID and we, we really enjoyed the area. So um, he's got a great job and I'm starting to get back into community art making. I was a really big community theater person back home in Yankton. Um, I started a group with a couple close friends and I'm very excited to be back in a show like this. This is my second show at the Paradise, though I did The Hunchback of Notre Dame earlier in the summer. Wonderful. Well, it's a delight to have you here. And uh, go ahead, Bryn, tell us a little bit about your world. Yeah, uh, I'm Bryn Artley. I grew up uh, here in Dundas. I uh, went to school at Northfield High School, really got into theater at that time. Um, and then I was really lucky to get to do some shows with Rachel. Um, did The Miracle Worker and Mansfield Park mm-hmm. and um, just love, love the productions that Rachel puts on. <laughs> I went to school at Winona State University um, and just came back to the area here this year, um, decided to get involved in community theater again, um, was super excited to, this is my first uh, production with The Paradise. Well, wonderful to have you again, and I feel I feel like you've been on for some other productions, for some of those high school productions, too, but it's hard to believe that it's been that many years. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> And Rachel, of course, you've been on uh, many times. You're an extraordinarily talented director and have been doing a lot of amazing things in the community theater, theater world. Tell us about what's what's happening for you and what's, uh, since your last visit, what you've been doing in addition to the, the humans. <laughs> uh, well, yes, in, in addition to the humans, um, I'm about to embark on Newsies Junior with Purple Door Youth Theater. And we're all cheering for that one. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> so that we we actually start one week after this show closes. Uh, we start our rehearsals November seventh, um, but because of Christmas break and Thanksgiving break, we don't actually open until the first weekend in January. Okay, but it's it's a show that requires that much. It uh, is rehearsal. A- Big undertaking, and we have incredibly talented kids in our community, so put it on your calendar. (laughs) Absolutely, we will, and that's going to be at the Arts Guild Theater. That one is at the Northfield Arts Guild Theater. Yep, this is is my fourth show down at the Paradise. I did um, uh, Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, Best Christmas Pageant Ever, and uh, Miracle on 34th Street previously down there. So you like the holidays with the paradise. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but this this is actually an interesting show because there's a there's a I would not at all call it a Halloween show, but there's a little creepiness to it, so it's nice to have it at Halloween and of course it's centered around a Thanksgiving dinner as you were mentioning. So we are so close to that. Uh it's just beautiful timing. Yeah, and in the description, it's Thanksgiving Day 2015. Stepping away from tradition, Eric and Deidre Blake are not hosting dinner this year. Instead, the Blake family gathers at the just-acquired, rundown New York apartment of daughter Bridget and her boyfriend Richard. Bridget's parents have driven from their Scranton, Pennsylvania home, bringing along Eric's elderly mother, Momo, who has dementia. And then Bridget's sister, Amy, has also traveled from Philadelphia, where she works as a lawyer. And they try to figure out what it means to be family and explore all the love and cracks and all the pieces of being a family. And that I love those kinds of shows. Right. And, and that is uh, part of where the creepiness comes in, in the fact that this rundown apartment, it's a two-story apartment, so the 
the lower level is actually basement level, zero windows. And then the next story up is, you know, garden level, as they call it. <laughs> Those New York apartments, yes. yes. Uh, so there's one window, and um, it's old. It's in Chinatown. It's an old brownstone. It's been around forever. Um, it only has an interior courtyard that even uh, is the view from this this window. And uh, so it has creaks and moans, and because they're in the basement, there are, you know, trash compactors and laundry room noises and these um, little things that are kind of reflective also of the family, of the fact that we all have these little creepy noises <laughs> that happen in in our lives and... Um, and even some vermin, and uh, so it's <laughs> it's really um, it's really really well written on so many levels, and that's just one tiny piece of why this show is phenomenal and like something you have never ever seen. And I highly recommend coming to. That's good. that's a good preview. And I want to ask: so, what connected both of you to want to audition for the humans? Because that's not a show that's well known. I don't know which one he wants to jump in first. Um, I just took the plunge. I, like I said, I'm getting back into community art making. So I just, I saw the next show was um, a, a straight show and not a musical. And um, that's where my heart always has been, even though I majored in music in college. Um, so I was just really excited to see such a small cast and uh, intimate shows. I just haven't really had a um, an opportunity to do. I'm so glad that the Paradise t takes a chance on small person shows because um, th not a lot of community theaters do. And so I, I was very excited that the show is offered. And how about, did you know the play before? I did not. I actually was a little intimidated when I heard it was going to be a drama. Uh, <laughs> because I've previously mostly just done comedies. And I was like, oh boy, can I, can I do this? Um, so I remember before auditioning, I checked out a script from The Paradise. And I wanted to read the whole thing through and get a feel for it. And I just found it like a really moving story on how it kind of tackles the hard things in life. Like... Like Rachel said, it's, there's a very much a creepy element, uh, but it's all about the, the real the real life scary stuff, uh, the stuff that people don't really talk about, the family angst, the disillusionment with life. And I just really appreciated how this play tackles that subject matter head on. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be an adventure. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, good. But there's I, nothing depressing about the play. No, no not at what's all. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Good, good. And there's, yeah, there's some humorous moments I've heard in it, like real life family, right? There's right. all those strange things that happen right. and, and weirdness and funny. Mm -hmm. And this is opening at the Paradise Center for the Arts. It opens on the 21st, so next weekend. And folks can get tickets now at paradisecenterforthearts.org. It is running for two weekends. So it's the 21st and 22nd, that Friday and Saturday, and then at 7.30, and then Sunday, the 23rd at 2 p.m. And again, the following weekend, which must be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 27, 28, 29. And so that's uh, an, an amazing opportunity so people should get their tickets. The Paradise is a beautiful theater, uh, not that far, just right down the road, really easy to find. And I, I want to talk about the, the title because the title is 
the humans, which sounds so like grand, like, wow, what are we going to see in this play? Do, is there any insight you can give us as, as far as uh, audience members about you know, the choice of that title? Because it feels so big. Sure. I think the title really comes from something that my, uh, my stage boyfriend, Richard, um, <laughs> talks about is um, the comic book called uh, Quasar, and uh, in this comic book, the, the monsters of the story are afraid of humans. And it's just this little interlude in the play. It was just Richard sharing this thing he likes. But he really kind of drives home this, this aspect of how interesting that the monsters are afraid of the humans rather than vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it kind of becomes this metaphor for the rest of the play of as, as much as us, the humans, are scared of all the, the things that go bump in the night. Uh, maybe it's the, the humans that are actually the scariest thing of all. Maybe it's us. <laughs> oh. yeah. Ooh, I can see where that tone of, of creepiness comes in. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, that uh, it's a play that maybe a lot of people don't know because it is so contemporary. I think it, uh, where did I read the Tony, it winner of the 2016 Tony Award for Best Play. So that's a pretty phenomenal thing. And Bryn, you were saying this hasn't made the community theater circuit that much, so... Uh, no, absolutely How did you connect to not. it and bring it here? Um, actually, it's interesting. One of our cast members, Susan Dunhaupt. Um, Hello, Susan. We adore you. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of her friends um, from, from many years back uh, actually played uh, the Deirdre character on Broadway. Uh, and then they subsequently made a film of this. And that's the mom, right? Right. That's okay. the mom. And actually, Susan is playing that role, too. So I just thought perfect. that was, yeah, that was really <laughs> a special connection. But um, so Susan was just telling me about how her friend was on Broadway and playing this show. And it just sounded fascinating to me. So I read the script and I just literally couldn't put it down. It was so fascinating. It's written in a very different way. Uh, it The characters, it's it's exactly like sitting down at a family dinner. Um, <laughs> although I, we must make it clear that the whole show is not sitting around a table. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it, so it's, it's, it's like any kind of fa family gathering. People talk on top of each other. They don't finish their, their sentences. Um, they, uh, you know, put in little barbs here and there. Um, all of those wonderful things are, are just on the page. And, and even the playwright will give in parentheses um, the, the rest of the sentence that the person is trying to get out, but they don't actually ever get it out. So the actors really have this incredible depth of knowledge of, of how to get across what, what the words are on the page. Um, and, you know, when we had auditions, I actually made everybody just talk because I wanted them to really get that feeling in their head of what it's like to just have a conversation and not recite lines. Mm. And you won't see acting in quotes in this show. This is this is just like sitting in somebody's living room. It's it's really amazing and not every actor I don't think could you know rise to that challenge. 
without a lot of rehearsal. But these guys really get it. It's it's just really amazing. Yeah, we should give credit. The playwright is Stephen Cram, K R A M, and so it sounds like someone that we want to follow and figure out what else he's up to. Right, <laughs> and he also uh, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for literature that year. So, same, wow, you know, for this particular show. And so let's introduce the characters to at least, especially your two mm-hmm. characters. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, you know, who it is that you're playing, Taylor. Let's start with you. Yeah, so I play Amy, the older sister. And uh, as you said earlier, I'm a lawyer. I kind of seemingly have my life together. And then as the play unfolds, we start to discover that, oh, that uh, things are slowly falling apart and Amy's not having the best year of her life. So that all kind of comes to the forefront during this play. So, um yeah, it was it's very great character for me to um, jump back in. She has a lot of depth. Um, she is dealing with ulcerative colitis, um, mm. so that is an ongoing um, thing in the show. She recently broke up with her girlfriend, and then uh, of three years, correct? Yes, and um, she recently lost her job. So. And I, that's so, I think uh, you can just see that happening in real life, too. You know, someone's out on their own. You maybe chat for a few minutes. You don't really get into mm-hmm. all the things. And all of a sudden, you're in this space for hours. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a really interesting um, juxtaposition to Bryn's character, Bridget, because she does have the new apartment, the newly established life, if you want to yeah. jump in. Bridget's the baby of the family, and she's got everything going for her. Yeah. <laughs> this, this windowless apartment it's a big window yeah she talks it up (laughs) so tell us more about bridget uh bridget is very very proud of her new apartment in new york she feels kind of like a big kid now and um she's to be honest she's really kind of uptight um over how she's hosting thanksgiving for the first time for her family that is nerve-wracking yeah she's showing off her new apartment her boyfriend and And there's just that tension of she wants everything to be perfect, and it is not. (laughs) (laughs) When is Thanksgiving dinner ever perfect? I don't. I don't think it ever goes perfectly. That that's. And we should talk about the other characters too, because we mentioned there's the mom and the dad, Mm -hmm. and the uh, grandma Momo, and 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 the boyfriend. Right. So anything we should know just to set the scene or set the stage for, for each of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I wish they could be in the room here with us because we're a cast of six. Uh, yeah, it's so very it's a very small. small yep. Um, but it's so, I don't know, I feel like we're, we're so much more close-knit for it. Um, everyone just, I don't know, brings a really key component to this play. It's really fun. Like, we're all in our little spheres, and then we just keep colliding with each other. <laughs> oh, that's a good description. <laughs> and uh, my, my stage boyfriend, Richard, is played by Jonathan Larson. Uh, we have a lot of fun with our banter back and forth. Of it. We're kind of like, we're, we're not married in the show, and that's kind of a little bit of a source of conflict with, with Bridget's parents. Ah. Um, but uh, definitely kind of bicker like an old married couple. They love each <laughs> other, but they also kind of are irritated by each other. <laughs> and, and what about the parents and Momo? Uh, so our parents are definitely from a different generation, and I think that comes through in um, the way they think about like Bridget's apartment and her relationship with her boyfriend and their idea of how life should go. Uh, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything special, but there is an interesting divide between uh, Eric and Deirdre. Uh, Eric seems to be a little more um, straight laced, like let's just get through and save face while Deirdre doesn't seem to be able to put away all the things that are uh, bubbling under surface. They have their own um, tensions within their marriage. And I think that comes through a little bit in the play seeing um, Bridget and Richard's relationship. And so uh, Eric is played by Frank Blomgren. And mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Deirdre is played by Susan Dunhopt. And then we have Momo. Cindy Robinson is taking on that part. That sounds, she is, as we mentioned, I, I, or is that not in that description, that she's um, suffering from Alzheimer's? Mm-hmm. Well, well, from dementia. Dementia. They never, they never actually Name call it. it Alzheimer's. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, it, I'm super excited to be getting a chance to work with Cindy Robinson. I've really been a fan of her work over the years and I uh, just haven't ever we, we just our paths haven't crossed that way um, but Cindy uh, is she's she's a petite woman which really um, I think brings a, a just a wonderful aspect to this character because she spends most of the time uh, in a chair and w- whether it be a wheelchair or the couch or whatever. Um, and, uh, her, her costume will make her even more diminutive, mm. which is, which is just really, um, it's just really interesting when you think about dementia and how it, it kind of crush, can crush a person's soul. And yet this family is so supportive of their grandmother, of their, their Momo, um, and, uh, really want to include her at times and, and such. And yet there are other times where she almost just gets forgotten. You know, she's sitting right there with them, but because she can't engage as much, uh, it's, it's very easy to overlook her. Um, it, it's it's so fascinating, and Cindy will tell you that it's been an incredibly difficult character to play. Uh, she has someone in her family with dementia. Susan mm-hmm. uh, has someone in her family. Bryn has her grandmother, um, and you know it, it is something that is touching so many lives. Especially, I think through COVID, it seems to have really uh, even developed more, and um, so it's. Uh, I think it's a painful thing to have to play, and yet um, in, incredibly um, freeing in some ways too. The the dialogue that she has is pretty much gobbledygook if you look at at it on the page, and yet I told her right at the beginning. I said you need to memorize what Stephen Krem wrote. That's a challenge. <laughs> wow. And but what was really neat about it was as she really started to get into it and memorize it and everything, she's like, oh, wait a minute. She's actually saying some things here that are decipherable mm. um, just in a, you know, when it's written on the page like that, it's just sort of all smooshed together and stuff. So, um, yeah, so it, it's it is fabulous. And she. She will 
blow you away. Mm-hmm. She's really great. Yeah, and it's so it does sound like it has a lot of these themes that we can all connect to wherever we are in the you know whether we're close more close to the parents or grandparents or or the kids who are moving out and stepping out in their own. So I, that sounds like the kind of play I want to see again. It's the humans at the Paradise Center for the Arts. It is uh, opening next weekend, Friday the 21st, and runs for two weekends. Tickets available at paradisecenterforthearts.org. And it is just, it sounds absolutely fabulous. I want to talk about rehearsals. And I wonder, because what you've told us about this, you know, make it natural, make it a conversation. Did How did you, you know, begin that, that process of, you know, playing a family did you have to practice first being a family (laughs) I was curious how you make that comfortable on the stage when you're acting and and as she said you don't want to look like you're acting reading lines you want to look like you're just chatting how did you do that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we would start a lot of rehearsals having conversations. Um, I I am fairly new to everyone. Uh, I I was the only one that hasn't worked <laughs> with this group of people before, so I definitely um, am still getting to know who these people are as people and not just their characters. So that was an interesting layer for me as an actor to navigate. But we did have some some family bonding nights. <laughs> we'd, we'd go to the the pub across the street and have a drink and just chat. Mm-hmm. and um, talk about our own theater experiences. And I think that was a pretty essential building block in creating our family. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, I feel like with any production, there's that getting to know you period where mm-hmm. you're just all about like, oh, who are you? We're going to be in- <laughs> interacting in this space together. But this show in particular, it just was like, because the cast is so small, uh, the subject matter is just so intimate that it just was it was so key to really get to know each other and to trust each other and um just really trying to to i don't know make it seem natural because like like you said it's it's not octing <laughs> <laughs> it's just hey let's let's go occupy this space together and explore um these themes and it's really been an adventure in that way that has been unlike any other production that I know I've been a part of. <laughs> mm-hmm. How have you connected with your character to try to bring out that natural, you know, way that banter and, and interaction? That's a great question. Uh, I think that was actually part of our like social media thing where we talked about how we identify with our characters. And I'm so glad that we did that because that gave me so much to think about. What do you mean social media? Oh, on Instagram, the Paradise Community Theater has been posting little like biography and introductions of us and how we connect to our characters. Um, But just as like a little like self-writing prompt, like journaling, I'm I'm so glad that we did that because I I too am an older sister and my younger sister, uh, she just moved in to an apartment with her boyfriend she's <laughs> she's very headstrong and I feel like the uh the way I am an older sister came through in Amy's character uh because she is the peacekeeper in the family I feel like she is almost a middleman or a translator between the younger sister and her parents there's a lot of okay everyone like let's let's move on or <laughs> can we talk about something else like it's getting a little a little tense and uh I sometimes do that in my own family I don't I don't know what it is about older siblings or <laughs> my own particular family <laughs> but uh that has been a really interesting dynamic for me to explore yeah it's it's been interesting with i don't know this show with trying not to overact uh 
it's been almost like trying to act like yourself as much as possible, even when you don't actually identify with some of the things that are going on. Like, for example, this is like just a small little thing. Like, already talked about uh, how Richard is talking about this comic book he loves, Quasar, and how he's very specific, saying, well, they're half aliens, half demons living on this planet. And Bridget at this point gets frustrated with him and goes, oh my God, just call them monsters. <laughs> and a little part of me just dies a little bit right there. Because I would totally be like, no, they're half aliens, half demons. Get it right. You would be on the other I side. I would be totally on Richard's side. <laughs> so it's those little nuances of, I guess, paying attention to like what other people do, though, of... Just call them monsters. Don't be such a nerd. <laughs> and you're trying to think, okay, yeah, but, but how would I deliver that then? And to keep it natural and not like I'm not stepping into someone else's skin. I'm inhabiting my own, but I'm doing things that I normally maybe wouldn't do. <laughs> and you're having conversations. So I'm thinking of the complexities of having those natural conversations. Like you mentioned, Rachel, people interrupt and they, you know, uh, put little jabs in and they you know go after each other and talk over and but you're also trying to make sure the audience follows so you're it's not mm -hmm. as if you're in a room with a uh you know just amongst yourselves you've got to think of the audience so how that seems how as a director are you helping people to do that right we we actually just this last week really spent some time on that because um as they're getting more comfortable, it's interesting. When we first started, I was kind of an advocate for not having as much rehearsal as you normally would have for a show, um, specifically because I want—I didn't want to lose that naturalness. Mm. Um, but as time has gone on, we've realized how difficult a script like this is as far as getting that timing correct and getting just the memorization even is is very different because every you, you're not just listening for one cue you might be listening for something that's mm -hmm. happening on, on top the, on the other level right <laughs> yeah because there's two it's a, literally a two-story set um or 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 there might be two people talking and yet your cue actually comes from a third person that's talking over <laughs> here so yeah so i definitely underestimated that and we have been on a regular rehearsal schedule but um but just this week we've sort of been pulling out every once in a while say wait a minute this line is really the important line mm. here so yes we can be talking on top of each other over here but we need to stop long enough to hear this whole entire line over here. So um, that, yeah, that has that has been um, kind of a, a an important thing for us to to really focus on. And the show, uh, as far as I know, anyway, um, is actually going to be miked. So that should help the audience too, um, as far as um, just being able to catch everything, because some of the lines do really need to be said quietly. And that's a very big space there. And the Paradise, though, has done a lot of great things to improve the sound. If anybody has yes. been to past shows, they've done a whole just really, uh, I don't know Acoust what it is. Acoustic yeah. tiles on the ceiling. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's quite lovely. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, and That's... I was thinking too. Uh, this is a dinner, so now, so not only do we have those complexities, 
but I suspect you actually have to have food. And do you actually eat on stage? Yes, we do. We are going to have a full meal eaten oh in real God. time yum, yum. during the show. So we will be coming empty <laughs> to performances. But yeah, rehearsals, um, we were miming at first. And then we realized, ooh, it's really hard to take time and um, chew your food and like have those natural spaces. So uh, someone brought saltines one night and that was kind of the staple for a while. But man, I cannot eat saltines anymore. <laughs> no more saltines, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like one of the, I mean, just thinking about how dry your mouth gets, like the oh last God, yeah. thing you want as an actor. But it's a nonprofit theater. <laughs> yes, <laughs> But for the performances, you'll actually have like a traditional Thanksgiving. We'll graduate beyond saltines. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. True. You couldn't afford to produce that every night. <laughs> but the, but Nor would you want to eat that much every no, night. No. <laughs> they, they will have turkey and sweet potatoes and, and uh, Swiss chard salad, which is a part of the show. And... Uh, green beans and buns and cranberry sauce and yes. Wow. Well, yeah, that works. <laughs> I, I just cannot even fathom, you know, how you're going to, you know, manage that because there's going to be something that's going to slip off the fork or you know, yeah. a, a spoon gets, you know, put in the wrong spot. How are you managing all those props and working it that t so that it's smooth? Man, I wish John was here to talk about this. <laughs> Richard definitely becomes like an onstage props master in <laughs> some way. He he preps everything. He sets the table. So I can only imagine what his script looks like with the notes and managing all the toasts that we have, handing out the glasses, making sure we get the right ones. Yeah, it's it's full on. <laughs> right, because we, we and we have wine and we have beer and we have water and we have coke and so yep, all the, all the different beverages that he has to pour and everything. But but it's interesting about the food slipping off off your fork or whatever. Um this play is written in real time. So there are no scene breaks, there's no intermission. Ah. Uh it's a one act, so so it runs from beginning to end and I've I've had to stop every once in a while during rehearsal and say, it's okay. Um, we had an actor fumbling with a prop the other day and I could see, I could see him drop. I, I literally could see him drop his character and go into himself and be frustrated with this prop. And mm. I said, but it's happening in real time. So there is, if that happens, it happens. It happens to the character and you just go with the flow. So if somebody drops their mashed potatoes on the floor <laughs> as the character, it's perfectly fabulous for them to react in that way and get those mashed potatoes <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> and that's what you have to do. And that is a big challenge as as an actor. I think that's admirable that you're attempting that all the juggling all those different different things. And, you know, I would imagine that that this storyline has prompted a lot of conversations within the cast and crew about, you know, these family stories and uh, has it has it something that that you've brought back to your own family, things that you you've wanted to talk about or brought up any things? Feels like a great conversational opening for people who might want to come see the play and then also bring you know bring back things into their own family or you know plan for Thanksgiving differently this year. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, it was, it was funny as we were at the beginning of the the rehearsal process, we were all sharing stories of our most our favorite or most memorable Thanksgivings. And as I was thinking about mine, I was like, well, you know, I used to spend Thanksgivings at my grandparents' house, and it was always a very fond memory if I was just this little kid and I'd be playing under the table, entertaining myself while all the adults were cooking and talking and catching up. And I was thinking about how over the years, Thanksgivings have kind of changed, like in our family, as people die, people get older, things change. And the Thanksgivings of the past kind of have this nostalgia of who used to be there, what traditions there used to be. Mm-hmm. And it kind of becomes this this ghost story of sorts, um, which I think the, the the play, The Humans, really kind of plays into quite a bit of... of uh, it's not just the creepy factor of the ghost story. It's the, the nostalgia of a ghost story. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I had a lot of discussions with my own family um, uh, back at home talking about this show and being like, this is this is really a neat, neat production. Um, just how it explores those elements. Mm-hmm. And how about for you, Taylor? Yeah, the holidays have always been a staple in my family, even um, as my parents divorced when I was younger. So they just uh, they've always been this shifting um, thing for me. Uh, But my mom's side of the family, they they have their set traditions. And even though we don't really have Christmas at my grandma's house because uh, they're getting a little older and it's it's really overwhelming. My family is very big. Mm -hmm. My mom comes from a big family. how many guests would typically be at a holiday oh, well, dinner? Oh, um, well, she has five siblings total, and um, they all have, like, three to four kids apiece that are now having grandkids. So it's it's a pretty packed house. That um, multiplies yeah. fast. <laughs> my, my sister and I, we we are definitely the um, antisocial ones of the family. So um, it was always just us kind of in the corner. We would listen to my grandpa play the guitar and um, just wait for dinner to be served. But we had very specific, like, uh, things served we always had soup that was my uh, grandma's biggest thing um, alongside turkey and so just talking about um, these shifting traditions because it seems like this play takes place in one of those transition years as Mm -hmm. we come to a new point of the holidays Um, that's one thing I was talking to my mom about a lot because my sister and I are actually both in the area now. Um, My my sister moved up here she lives in Faribault too and uh, now we might have Christmas up here instead of uh, down in South Dakota, which will be new again. So just that plays really opened up that discussion mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, that is fascinating how it, it, it does. Some is similar and you, you know, we've got to have, I don't, you know, somebody's cranberry sauce or somebody's mm-hmm. special potatoes or, you know, yep. or uh, you know, green beans with the, <laughs> all the whatever they think the, the soup that somebody makes. Right. Everybody has a spe- specific tradition. But yet on the outside, all these things are changing and the world mm-hmm. is different. In that. that I love that part about the holidays. How about for you, Rachel, and and preparing to you know take on this play in uh, conversations with your own family or family memories about special uh, holidays? Yeah, um, one one thing Frank brought up last night in in discussion was how Thanksgiving traditionally is you know takes twenty four hours at least to prepare for 
prepare all that food, and and some families or really maybe get... weeks to get the tablecloths right, exactly. ready and, <laughs> and figure out where everybody's seating and how you're going to serve. Them. Yep, yep. And you know, that last year I had a. Um, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving theme. We we love themed Christmases like, in, with our, in our family. And the yep, whole popcorn toast. and toast. <laughs> yep. So so a lot of prep goes into every Thanksgiving. Um, but but what Frank mentioned last night was that the actual eating of the meal is such a tiny portion of that. And You're that, right. Right, and that and that ad, that comes out in our show too, where uh, you know. We have this hour and a half show, and yet the dinner portion is maybe twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's yeah, that's just a fascinating thing. But I, opposite of Taylor, have a tiny family. My mother was an only child, um, and we have uh, I have two sisters, and um, just in the last six months, um, actually lost my father and stepmother, and uh, my mother's been gone quite a while so um our family is shrinking exponentially we're you know we're we're very very tiny we only i only have one nephew on on one side and um so our thanksgivings all fit around a table which is lovely (laughs) it's nice no hauling or two separate spaces the kids table the adults table somebody's in the basement we've had those kinds of (laughs) yep we all get to fit so that's that's terrific um and everybody can help in the kitchen and it's it's not crowded (laughs) it's just a, a lovely thing we have um a tradition in my my little you know, family, just my, me and my uh, children and husband, um, where we, years and years ago, when the kids were teeny tiny, bought a Thanksgiving themed vinyl tablecloth. Mm. And I gave them Sharpies. And I, every time that they came up with something that they were thankful for, they were allowed to write it on this tablecloth. And it was only out for like the week of Thanksgiving. And um, so we still have this tablecloth. It has literal drawings that are, you know, infantile drawings from when they're three years old to these really in-depth kind of um, phrases of of gratefulness, you know, that have been written in, in how adorable, amazing, know, close times. So, yeah, it's it is really a treasure that I continually pull out and um it's yeah it's really neat and like bridget i did uh host the first thanksgiving after i got married um we had the first thanksgiving you know and it was a very big deal i can remember feeling like okay now i you know i have this uh, i was lucky enough to move into a house right away but i i have this house and i have a kitchen and i'm supposed to like be a cook now <laughs> and, uh, you know, all those things that come with married life and uh so yeah i mean i had to figure out literally listening to the splendid table and then I, yes. of thanksgiving like what am i doing wrong with the turkey <laughs> all of that. that's right because they do that broadcast yes, on do. thanksgiving morning i don't know if they st- she'll do that but they'll have something I, it is it is such a great transition time and what a spectacular setting for 
a drama to take place. And because I was thinking about my own stories in every family we have, you know, a, a thing might happen or there's a funny story or piece, piece of Thanksgiving, but you couldn't really make a story about any one because not that much happens, you know, in that, that, but if you put all the things that happen into one <laughs> hour and a half thing, you'd have quite an amazing story, which is exactly what I think this might do. Right. Right. And yeah, so, it's delightful. Everyone it's, should come. Exactly. It's <laughs> the humans, and it opens at the Paradise Center for the Arts down in Faribault, which is super easy to find, 321 Central Avenue, kind of the main street in downtown Faribault. And you can get those tickets online at paradisecenterforthearts.org. Again, it's two weekends opening next weekend. There is an ASL night, if you, but they have to make a reservation for that. Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. Check with the Paradise Center for the Arts on that. You can give them a call or stop by and uh, definitely get your tickets for this one because, you know, one of the things that happens is if plays like this succeed, then they get we get to do more and see more and bring more. So it's exciting to support not just the big musicals or the well-known ones, but to go to these ones that no one's probably seen and it'll all be brand new for all of us and I enjoy that very much. It also sounds like the kind of play you could go to multiple times. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Lots of layers. (laughs) Definitely. You will pick up something new every single time. We're still finding new things in rehearsals every night. I would imagine, right? Because you've got these... Humans are complex, right? And uh, I think that that story you you told about the monsters in the comic book is really Mm going to stick with me, that that's an element that... I just love how you can, you know, put that in a prism and flip that around and play with that a lot. Absolutely. And so anything else we've missed about this, the humans or the uh, paradise and things for for the characters and the production that we want to share with our listeners? I, I think it's uh, just really important to realize that the show is about love. Um, you know, families have... <laughs> Families are families, and and there's a lot of crazy things that happen, but uh, love always brings us back around, and um, so even if any of the other themes don't speak to you, I hope love does, and I hope you come celebrate with us. As much angst as there is in this show, it really is a love story about this family choosing each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That sounds like the perfect setup for... Uh, launching us into the holiday season and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to host and what you're going to eat. That <laughs> probably starts now. So maybe it's actually like a six week <laughs> time frame. It probably is. You're right. <laughs> and I cannot wait to meet these characters and learn about this play. It feels like one of the ones that could become a tradition, right? You could, uh, I don't, I don't, has anybody talked about it being made into a movie? It, it has been made oh, into a movie, oh, actually. And just, it's out? Just recently. Uh, yeah. I think it was 2021, and I think it came out on, on a streaming service. It was mm. one of those because of all the crazy COVID stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's good enough to be made into a film already, which is pretty crazy because well, it's only been out a little bit. We want you to go see the play. Yes, <laughs> come see the play. Because yes. it's totally so much better to be live. And I'm just thinking about if there's like sweet potatoes and turkey, that that <laughs> we'll have to plan to go out afterwards because we'll get hungry. <laughs> It'll smell good in the theater, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, great cast 
and I, I imagine it's just a spectacular um, piece of, of work. So congratulations on bringing this to us. Thank you so thank much. You. Yes, thank you. Yeah, folks, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. And I'm, as you can tell, really excited about the humans and hope that you'll join uh, everybody down in, in, in Faribault to see this production and uh, hope that you also take time to uh, enjoy your imagination. And, you know, one thing I was supposed to bring today and I forgot, so I'm going to do it off the cuff. This, so, and I'm hope that, hoping that you can find more information. We are currently accepting nominations for the Living Treasure Award through the Arts and Culture Commission, and that deadline is coming up in a couple of weeks. But there, I know there are many people in this community that are um, certainly deserving of that recognition. But we need your help in bringing attention to those folks and submitting your application. You can go to the City of Northfield's website and search Living Treasure, and you'll find all the information or the library and and 50 North have applications that you can take a look at. And it's something where you just work on nominating somebody and work with them to put together the list of accomplishments and uh, give attention to somebody who's committed to the arts and culture in our community and has um, done amazing things to make all of... Uh, we have such a great art scene and culture scene in this community. It's it's wonderful to be able to highlight that so and draw attention to that. I promise next week I'll bring the actual press release and get more of the details, but I wanted to, you to know about the living treasure. Folks, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Take some time to enjoy your imagination. And in the meantime, until next time, watch a play. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. 